3: Tossed Popcorn is a production of
2: iHeartRadio.
3: Hi, I'm Sienna Jekyll. And I'm Liana Holston. And welcome to Tossed Popcorn, the podcast where two idiots watch every film on the AFI's 100 greatest American movies of all time. The very slightly less racist 10th anniversary edition. This podcast is a safe space for people who don't know anything about movies. Today, we're watching High
0: New. They're making me run. I've never run from anybody before.
3: I don't understand
0: any of this. Well, I haven't got time to tell you.
3: Number 27 on the AFI list. Warning, there will be spoilers about this wild, wild film. Please Please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and rate us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. You can rate podcasts on Spotify now. Five stars, please, and thank you. And we are all over social media at Tossed Popcorn. So look for us. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Sienna. (laughs) Liana. We got Western number two (laughs) on the list. Did you know anything about this movie at all? No. (laughs) No. Me neither. But let's hear more in our prediction. Okay. I'd like to listen to yours first. Okay. Ahoy. Good morning, (laughs) Sienna.
0: It's Liada. I'm about to watch
3: High Noon, (laughs) which I accidentally found out is a western, which is to say, fuck. How'd you find it? It sounds western. It's going to be the sun is out and white boys are on some sand. That is my guess. I do not have high hopes that this will be enjoyable, but I am excited that it's only an hour and 25 minutes yes. long. Yes. Oh, there's going to be so many horses in this field. <laughs> love you. Bye. Do you say it sounds Western? The high noon. So you knew that phrase? I guess I did. I had nary a clue that that was a thing. I love that so much. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say high noon. Yeah, I guess it's... It's like a time they yeah, I guess I knew that phrase oh. well Sienna let's hear your prediction for High Noon apparently a famous phrase howdy Liana I'm about to watch <laughs> High Noon sounds like it's gonna be a cowboy movie okay you know how much we love those <sighs> oh my gosh this is gonna be so boring no. for some reason I feel like it's gonna be in color oh I feel like it's gonna be more action packed <laughs> than The Searchers which was a snooze fest <laughs> What do I think will happen? Um. Oh, maybe this is where that scene came from. That's oh. like, where mm. it shows like the two eyes. You know, like the two guys battling each other. Battling is not the word. Standoff, <laughs> showdown, hoedown, something. <laughs> anyway, that'll probably happen. All right, I gotta go watch it. Bye. Bye. Wait, do you know what that is from? No. I feel like That's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I'm not gaslighting you this time. Is it a cowboy movie? No, it's a space film. Okay. But they're communicating with aliens through music. (laughs) No. Okay. So we are in fact singing two different. That's I think what's going on. (laughs) But if you slow that one down. (gasps) I know what you mean this is a good example though of how like i keep waiting for some of these movies to have the iconic Uh images that we've heard about because that's the point of them being classic movies but then they don't i know i love how the two westerns we've watched so far have been like (gasps) is anything gonna happen i feel like something's supposed to be happening sienna please how would you summarize this one hour a summary of high noon On his wedding day, Will Kane hangs up his marshal badge. Mm. It's like a sheriff. To (laughs) start, (laughs) to like a little secret, to start a Quaker life with his Quaker wife. Hey! However, literally five seconds after his wedding, he receives news that Frank Miller, the bad guy that Kane put behind bars some years ago, is out of the clinker and looking for revenge. (laughs) I really thought that was gonna rhyme. And out looking out of the for that stinker. And being a stinker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kane spends this movie, which takes place from ten thirty five AM to twelve fifteen AM on his wedding day, looking for friends to join him in standing up against Miller and his men when they arrive on the 12 PM train. He learns he may not have as many friends in town as he thought. Okay, Liana. It looks like you're sitting on some history over <laughs> there. Have some things to share? My ass is on some history right now. (laughs) Get my ass on that history. I want to join. Hello. (gasps) Welcome, everyone, to the historical context section for High Noon. Apparently, a phrase everybody else except for me has been aware (laughs) of this whole time. High Noon is a 1952 film directed by Fred Zinneman and written by Carl Foreman. It stars Gary Cooper, who was born in the year 1901, and Grace Kelly, who was born in the year 1929. (laughs) (laughs) For anyone confused, there is a 28-year difference between those two, and she plays his wife. The movie was shot in 32 days, very, very quick for a film for that time, and this is because the production company that was making it owed United Artists Studios one more film under an old distribution contract. They're like, oh my God, we got to bang something out. (laughs) We'll just do this movie. Honestly, that makes a little bit of sense. (laughs) Carl Foreman, the writer of the film, was partners with Stanley Kramer, who's a a producer on the film. The two of them met during World War II (laughs) when they were both serving on U.S. Army film units, making documentaries and short films out of an Astoria studio in Queens. And when they created a studio together, I think, or a production company together, they made films that were low budget, black and white, and had an emphasis on good story and characters. High Noon itself was inspired by a short story called The Tin Star in Collier's magazine. It was not a typical Western. Hmm. So some people were like, boo, when it came out. Because there are no like sweeping vistas of the land. There are no raids, which we do see in The Searchers, which are fully just like, you know, racist. (laughs) That's a big part of Western movies? Yeah. And no stampedes. Wow. No cows running amok. The tiny budget meant that they couldn't hire, like, a hot young star, which is why they got this guy, Gary Coleman, who was sort of, like, fading away at the time, fame-wise. And they also couldn't film it in color. Wait, Gary Cooper? Sure. Yeah. Is that who you said? No, it is right. Which is why they got Gary Cooper. (laughs) (laughs) And this was Grace Kelly's first major film role. Wow. Okay. A bit about Hollywood post-World War II. A lot of people were coming back from Europe and the war theater of Japan being like, whoa, we got to, we, oh my gosh, so many stories. (laughs) And so people wanted movies that were entertaining, but also thought provoking and socially nuanced for the time, (gasps) which is to say this film was a smash hit among audiences because they were like. Oh, my God. So I have so many thoughts. And that is because we now must talk about the Hollywood Blacklist and the House Un-American Activities Committee. What? In 1938, the... Do people call it HUAC? Have you heard that ever? Instead of what? H-U-A-C. This committee was created and it was an investigative committee in the House of Representatives where citizens who were suspected of ties to the Communist Party were tried in the court of law because the Soviet Union was the enemy after the war and, I guess, you know, before it. (laughs) Then there was sort of a resurgence from 1950 to 1954 with McCarthyism and the Red Scare. This was post-World War II. In communist countries around the world, there were sort of U.S. wars going on. And in the Red Scare, federal government employees were being accused of communist ties and of leaking info, and they would get blacklisted if they were accused and could lose their jobs. It was a very mm. tense time. If you were suspected and tried in the court of law, it was expected that you would confess that you had once been a member of the Communist Party and you would renounce your membership or you would say you were no longer a member of the Communist Party and that you would name names. Mm. Basically, the only way you could stop being suspected is if you named other people who you knew, who were your colleagues, who had ties to the Communist Party and were participants in the alleged red plot against the United States. Now on to the Hollywood Ten. In October of 1947, ten members of the film industry publicly denounced the House Un-American Activities Committee's tactics. Then, in nineteen in November of 1947, one month later... These 10 were cited for contempt of Congress and then ultimately received jail sentences and were banned from working for major studios. And that was the first time people were seeing like genuine, like hard consequences for people speaking out against the House on American Activities Committee oh. and against people who were against communists. Uh-huh. Ultimately, in 1951, Edward Dimitrik of the Hollywood 10 ended up testifying and named 20 industry colleagues. And that sort of started or contributed to this Hollywood blacklist where a lot of Hollywood industry people were being brought in to testify and to name names. And then it just snowballed from there. And even if you were innocent, if you were even like suspected, you'd be brought in. And if you refused to cooperate with the House Un-American Activities Committee, if you refused to name other names, then you could get fired by studio heads because there would be so much negative... Just bad vibes yeah. around you that nobody wanted to, to be associated with you. <gasps> That's crazy. So yeah. It's better to be like, I, yeah, sure, I am. I did it. And here's everybody else who did. Yeah. All, I guess, my people who are semi enemies <laughs> in my industry. Ultimately, at least 500 careers in the Hollywood industry were damaged by the end of this. And Hollywood blacklisting ended in the 1960s. This is relevant <laughs> because, what? High noon is an allegory for the Hollywood blacklist.
1: No. (laughs) What? In June of
3: 1951, Carl Foreman, the writer of High Noon, Uh was subpoenaed by the House Un-American Activities Committee. Subpoena! (laughs) Inappropriate! Read the room. (sighs) (laughs) To testify. He was told he would take the stand three months later, which was during the shooting of High Noon, And this ended up driving a wedge between him and his partner, Kramer, the two boys who had met during World War II, making movies in Astoria. Because everybody was like, oh, God, like he was a communist. He's going to testify. We don't know what we're going to do. And Foreman had been a member of the Communist Party, but then ultimately left it in the 40s, like years before he was called to testify. But everybody was so stressed. So they brought him up on September 24th. 1951, my sister's birthday, go on, a Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, Gabby. Foreman takes the stand. He says he wasn't a member of the Communist Party and then invokes the fifth, which is to say he refuses to name names. Okay. Because of that, he gets removed from the shoot of High Noon and the film. They basically buy him out. They give him a severance package and say farewell because he was writing this movie during the time of these accusations flying. And he'd been called to testify and then shooting was going to happen later that is how it became this allegory, in which the townspeople in the film are the Hollywood bystanders. The outlaws are the members of the House Un-American Activities Committee, the four men waiting for the train, waiting to come into town. What? And Will Kane is Carl Foreman himself. <laughs> Can you believe it? That makes this movie so much cooler. I know! <laughs> Said Foreman about the film, quote, A lot of the dialogue was almost the dialogue that I was hearing from people and even in the company. You could walk down the street and see friends of yours recognize you, turn and walk the other way. A lot of people just really enjoyed the film, but some people did pick up on it being like a metaphor, including John Wayne, who was famously a very conservative little shitbag. And he called the film, quote, the most un-American thing I've seen in my whole life. (laughs) They said things like that back then? Yeah. Yeah. Can you believe that? I've seen I think he him my was, whole life. He was the head of the MPA and he was like one of the people who encouraged nobody else to hire Carl Foreman. Mm. So when Foreman got paid out and they gave him his severance pay and removed him from, you know, the shoot, he ended up moving to London because he literally couldn't get work in the U.S. He moved to London. He worked there for 25 years. Wow. And then he died. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He literally couldn't work in the U.S. ever again. That's crazy. He did, while he was in London, write the movie The Bridge Over the River Kwai. Oh, wow. Shouts out to him for that, or co-wrote it. Carl Foreman and Stanley Kramer, the original partners, never spoke again. No. Thus concludes my historical context for the film High Noon. Oh my gosh, I have so many thoughts. Wow, okay. Doesn't that make this movie way more interesting? Way more interesting. Because it's mostly a guy walking I around. I was so bored during this film. <laughs> Do you know the video game Kirby Air Ride? Yes. Do you, you know the first part of it before you're playing a little... Oh, no, I don't know what that well. You're just... Okay, so I only know Kirby Air Ride. Okay. I'm not a gamer girl like some of us in the room. <laughs> but the structure of it is first you pick a color and that takes a while. <laughs> then once you've decided if you want to be blue or green or green, you go and you play for five minutes and then you play like a little bonus game at the end but the five minutes is literally you are just loose in this little town and you wander around and collect items and this guy is just doing kirby air ride for an hour and 25 minutes that's what's so weird it's like i, I this wasn't like the worst thing i've ever seen but <laughs> but it was like there were many moments where i was like this isn't good right no not at all okay When I was thinking through the plot of it, when I was writing down the summary, I was like, man, this would be such a good Twilight Zone. Like the Twilight Zone would have made this so interesting. Yes. And it makes sense that this is kind of that same moment in history where they're just about to, like very Cold War, thinking deeply, darkly about your community, about society, about who you can trust. This really felt like an uncanny valley Western where it was like, everything's where it is supposed to be, but nobody's quite. Doing what you are supposed to be doing? yeah. Hearing that people got mad about it makes me like it a lot more. I know. It was so much better than The Searchers. (laughs) So much better. It was so, I was like, it is offensive to me on on many levels, but especially that this film is ranked so much lower than that one on the same list. Right. So dumb. Till I shoot Frank
1: Miller's ad. We'll be right back.
3: This movie's just like watching a guy get sad. Yeah. He's like, my friends aren't going to be there for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is a film about a guy who's really bad at canvassing. <laughs> I was thinking it's also a film about like trying to get anybody in your community to click going instead of maybe on your Facebook event. This is a film about you have sent out a Grext Mm -hmm. and you just need one person to react to your message to remind the other eight people in the Grext that a message has been sent and no one will do it. And you slowly grow sadder and sadder and then you write your last will and testament. Yes. And (laughs) it was very funny. This really is the like, well, who who all is going to be there of films? (laughs) It's so, it's so tragic. Everyone's like, "Is anybody else going?" Oh, they're not going. I don't think I'm going to go. It's viscerally <laughs> like painful in that way. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a very enduring emotional stressor. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, your first three are about animals. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and scroll past those. No. She says horse. Ooh, well, the, the listeners get it. You said a horse. Ooh, another horse. Then a dog. All right. You are not capturing the emojis, the emoticons that I did use. She has some crying, smiling emoticons. Thank you. So it was like, horse. we <laughs> huh <maybe> a dog. <laughs> Where was the dog? Because I did not see the dog. Uh, there were a couple. And they were little background extras (laughs) wandering the town. I'm surprised you didn't see them. There was, like, nobody else on screen besides that one guy. Which one? Gary Cooper? Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, it's funny to call the protagonist that one guy. He was in this film. I have to ask you earlier. He was, like, like real, like, sort of long, right? right? I wasn't going to bring up the hot thing yet, but I will do that. First of all, I just kept noticing that he was really sort of, like, almost Gumby-like. Like, there were a couple times... I. I saw his waist, how slim okay. it was. His waist was hot. Everything above and below, no. <laughs> I'm, You know that song, Build a Bitch? Because there was yeah. this internet trend that was like, men really are out here being, really wanting very specific things from a woman right. at body type wise. Like they think it's Build a Bitch, yeah. which is very funny. But I'm just starting to do that with men. I'm like, oh, okay, his waist, yeah, I love. Anthony Perkins' head and sort of emotional damage, right? I love. Ashley Wilkes is being married. Uh-huh, Oh, <laughs> <I love>. yeah. <laughs> You're all about it. <laughs> oh, Sienna. Don't ever marry a Quaker. She'll have you running a store. Oatmeal wife. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. When I found out she's Say a Quaker. More. <laughs> okay. It starts off. we see, oh, yeah, those three men on three horses. Everyone looks the same in this. Yeah, they're wearing the exact same outfits. One of them, though, does look exactly like an animated weasel. Oh. Do the three men have names, the three outlaws? I actually wrote down the names, but here's the thing. Mm -hmm. I thought one of them was Miller. I as well. It was not until maybe a full hour in that somebody said Miller is arriving on the noon train that I was like, we haven't already met Miller. For me, it wasn't until a man got off the train. (laughs) And he made eye contact with Helen, Uh the Mexican woman who had said that she knew him. She was... Perfect. Wonderful. Perfect. She was such a cool character. I like, loved her so much. She was so, so gorgeous. When she first showed up on screen, I said out loud, gorgeous. I know. <laughs> she has these beautiful, like heavy eyes. And just, oh, I was shocked. But beyond that, because oh. she is more than that. Business she's owner. Business woman. business woman. She says what she needs. Fashion icon. She has boundaries. Consent magnate. Oh my God, she's amazing. What did you think of Quaker wife though? So Quaker wife. Okay. Oatmeal, oatmeal wife, wife. Yes. So he, his wife is a Quaker, which is <laughs> one of the yeah, only things. It's certainly her entire personality. <laughs> I actually kind of appreciated that they at least like gave her religious reasons for being like, for not wanting him to fight. Because that's a very fine thing for her to want in general, that he just, just like not wanting him to stay and maybe get shot. Right. But for some reason, it added something for me that they at least tried to make that like a character trait for her. Oh, that's interesting. I actually disagree. Really? I think it would have been way more interesting if they were like, she just doesn't want him to go. Like uh, she has her own opinions and that is okay. But instead they were like, no, it's because she's a Quaker and being a Quaker is what has given her this like sense of any opinion, not the woman part. But then when she ends up shooting him at the end... oh. If she had just shot him when it was her opinion, then she would have had to, like, just go against what she cared about and, like, give it up for a man. But instead, she broke her Quaker rules. That was. I did like that. Yeah, I wonder what the best way to do her. Kind of badass. I mean, she was a... She sucked. She sucked. She absolutely sucked. She waited in a hotel for an hour with no book. She sits the whole time. With nothing to do. She didn't even bring a Sudoku. (laughs) Ma'am, you are waiting for the depot train. (sighs) Which is why... What, are you going to sit and just stare at the concierge for one hour? <laughs> this creepy hotelier. Oh my God, that absolute concierge bitch. I loved him so much. I knew you would love him. <gasps> I knew. Oh. This is another kind of person in charge who's being chaotic. <laughs> and loves to gossip. Yes, loves <laughs> to gossip. And hates everyone. He says to her oh. at one point, he's like, oh, are you, you're going to get on that noon train, huh? And your husband isn't? That's interesting. Also, that woman upstairs, she used to be very good (laughs) friends with your husband of five minutes. (laughs) Just interesting. That's all I'm saying. Oatmeal wife is so stupid. Oh, my God, Grace Kelly is oatmeal wife. It's cool when she ends up being the one to help, the Mm -hmm. only person in town to help. Yeah. But, like, that wasn't based on any past character. No. Sense of anything. Like, she just didn't have anything for her. She was just oatmeal. And then at the end, the oatmeal... (laughs) moved they put cinnamon on her yeah 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 yeah. you said frazzled uncle from it's a wonderful life wow this guy is booked and busy booked and busy on blast he is in every film apparently for a full decade <laughs> the frazzled uncle was in every movie in america from the years 19 what 40 to 1950 <laughs> we're really he just we've he... seen him so we've seen him in it's a wonderful life mm-hmm. mr smith goes to washington and now high noon yep he does play sort of the same guy in all of them. I feel like he's getting more Irish by the movie. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like High Noon was his most Irish? I kind of oh, do. He was in church, being like, "Yeah, I don't know." <laughs> yeah, something that, like the outfits they put him in too, and maybe because he's getting younger and he just like seems really Irish. I don't know. Oh, I love that for him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of this movie equals quickly reading an analog clock. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Was that that must have been hell? I just find, I, okay, listen, I can read an analog clock, <laughs> but it's one of those things that now causes stress for me oh. because the only time I'm ever looking at one is when it's like somebody wants to know immediately. Yeah, well, that's so, what a watch is for. Yeah, it, That actually is the only function of a clock is to look at it and immediately know what time it is. <laughs> okay, that's that's a good point. <laughs> and I feel like you've calibrated incorrectly Like the emotional response you're supposed to have when looking at a clock. <laughs> I get so stressed. (laughs) Like, oh, God. This was a very classic, stoic male character move. Yeah. That happens always where they'll be like, wife, I know you don't want me to sacrifice myself, but I have to. Yeah. And she's like, wait, no, no, no. Like, you don't understand. That'll make my life so much worse. Actually, I don't actually have any autonomy in this world. Like, being married to you is my only route to any sort of independence or financial stability. Like, please, I am literally nothing without you because of this society. Please don't die. That's what I really don't get about a lot of these old films is the main guy character is so often like, I love you so much, but I have to go die. And it's like, if you actually loved me, you would stick around because how the fuck am I going to buy a house if you're dead? I literally can't own a home (laughs) if you die. You don't understand. I will fall into abject poverty (laughs) if you die. You dying means I'm going to die. Do you get that? I think I'm just going to go through and read all your notes in orange. (laughs) Okay, have fun. Okay, so your notes in orange are you trying to figure out... Me trying to figure out where and when this film is. Okay, Liana says, What year is it, please? (laughs) All right. Yeah, you know what? I don't know. She says, By the laws of this territory, is a quote. Where are we, please? (laughs) Yeah, because somebody was like, By the laws of this territory that we're in. And I was like, okay, so it's not a state yet. Uh Uh-huh. So where are we? The quote is, Up north, they commuted it to life. Okay, so we are in the south... Because up north implies we are down south? Or are we just so far to the west that we don't have that Mason-Dixon line? Right, right. So, so based, maybe we were in Colorado, TBH. This is good. This is good. We're using the quotes from the movies to kind of piece, put, it. piece it together, the coordinates of their actual place. Yeah. I, by the way, know where it was because... <gasps> don't tell me. I won't oh, tell you. Oh my God. Because I... I, by the way, know. Because <laughs> I looked such up such a quickly. violent sentence to say to someone who really loves knowing things. It's the only time I looked something up because I really wanted to know if there was a clear name of the town because it would have made it easier to summarize. Uh, the next note in orange is, okay. wait, so is this the Union or was I wrong three eps ago? Look at the note right above it. They sing the Grapes of Wrath song in church. They do? Yeah. Did you also hear them playing Buffalo Girls once you come out tonight? Absolutely not. Oh my God. There's so much musical crossover in the cinematic universe Oh, Wow, right now. this was the Avengers endgame of soundtracks. It was. <laughs> The final note in orange is, so this town, dot, 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 is in the Union, because the North wants to build factories here. Yes, that was another part. You might have seen a note that I wrote about towns. (laughs) I see. The way they're talking about towns, dot, 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 is making me think I don't understand towns. (laughs) (laughs) I was so confused. They keep talking about this freaking town. What is a town? And then eventually they're like, we can't have people getting shot here because the other towns, the cities, the North. They want to make our town bigger. How? (laughs) What are you talking about? Okay, Sienna, please tell me. Where were we, please? (laughs) From what I briefly saw in New Mexico. Wait. (laughs) 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 That was one of the stupidest things I've ever done. (laughs) What I briefly saw on the internet. Uh-huh. Can I guess? Guess. <laughs> you know, I'm getting a sense that maybe this film took place in Oh New Mexico. I'm so embarrassed. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that you, makes sense. You're, to pretty, me. you're also there. due south of Colorado, so I was pretty close. Yeah. <gasps> Fifty-five minutes in, two women are about. To speak. Okay, let's talk about the scene a little bit because mm-hmm. this is when Oatmeal Wife, Oatmeal Wife, Oatmeal Wife, Grace Kelly, and, and business owner and Helen, Helen Ramirez, yes, speak to each other. We see Oatmeal Wife going up the stairs, looking for Helen. And I was so excited to begin with that two women were about to speak because mm-hmm. it's been so long. It's been—I I don't think maybe on this list we've seen two women speak. Oatmeal Wife is like, "Hi, I am sorry, my husband told me that he was staying here to." fight this other guy but that doesn't make any sense to me because i'm dumb as oatmeal so (laughs) i'm here to ask you um is it because he's in love with you (laughs) and helen's like helen's like i literally own a business he could never love me it is the past men hate that (laughs) oh my wife's like oh dang okay thanks for being so nice and helen's like okay i wasn't even being nice (laughs) (laughs) you're stupid um but then helen's like I don't understand how you're doing what you're doing because if I were you, I would be defending my man. I would be defending my husband. And that's when Quaker wife, I guess, is like, oh, dang, seed planted. I guess I should think about that idea. Mm -hmm. My favorite part of this interaction, though, is I had a favorite part, too. I'm curious if ours are the same. Oh, okay. Mine is and this is not like in a good way. (laughs) But Helen says, To be a Mexican woman in a town like this. And then Grace Kelly, white, white Grace Kelly says, I understand. understand. (laughs) Like, babe, I don't think you do. I don't think that's right. (laughs) That made me laugh so much. (laughs) What's it called? The, like the feminine urge? The white urge to say, I (laughs) I understand. understand. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what she did. It's like, I get it. I get that. It's like, we're all the same. We're the same. (laughs) We're not. No. (laughs) Okay, you have to say, Liana put a note here, which is, okay, eye patch, a land pirate. Land pirate. And then she's included a little pirate's flag emoji. (laughs) You don't even understand how hard that was for me to find at seven in the morning when I was watching this film. But the thing is, is I do understand. Seeing it here, I knew (laughs) you could sense that. You went out of your way. TikTok on the clock. We'll be right back. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip.
0: I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is
2: Uncanny USA.
3: He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs)
0: If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.
2: The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans, and yet,
3: This is a film that is, this film, this film, yeah, is an endorsement of TSA PreCheck. And I would specifically like to hear your response to that. Because, listener, famously, one of us has TSA PreCheck and the other does not. And it might not be who you think it is. (laughs) We know you think that it would be Liana, who's the more organized one. But because she's more organized, she's incredibly frugal (laughs) (laughs) to the point of being stupid. I had to force encourage her to get a new laptop so that we could edit our podcast. A normally. new laptop, a new phone, and literally any television. Bullied. <laughs> bullied. I was bullied for months. <laughs> and Sienna, who lives life in a very chaotic way, particularly when it comes to air travel, loves to arrive two minutes before the plane is going to take off. I didn't so have a backup drives. plan thrives on tsa Pretext yes in that way i really related to oatmeal wife because she gets there an hour early and just sits it is so ridiculous but that's where i was like why wouldn't you bring an activity to do so much of this movie is waiting for the train i did laugh a lot at him interrupting a church service to be like hey does anybody in here want to help me do murder <laughs> hey all you holy cats and kittens hey guys i know i haven't been here in a while uh i know thou shalt not kill but what if thou didst you know <laughs> also this was so far into the movie for us to find 90 percent of the town like he was walking around <laughs> looking for people he's like no one can help me and where then he they? walks into the church it's sunday morning of course they're there yeah that's where everyone is and there's way more people willing to even think about helping him than there have been the entire movie yeah okay i also thought there has been so much build-up to this frank miller They have talked about him for over an hour. We have not seen him because he is arriving on the titular noon train. Mm -hmm. He better be hot as hell. (sighs) He better be a Boo Radley. A Boo Radley, a jump scare Mm -hmm. on the hotness scale. Yeah. Where he comes out of literally nowhere and you say, oh, my stars. One thing I really feel I must share is that, Liana, I thought thought the point in this movie was that off this train would arrive hundreds of men oh <laughs> i like didn't get i <laughs> i knew that something important was happening with the train mm-hmm. but i thought that miller was already there i thought he was one of the guys <laughs> yeah and that the train was like, like reinforcements bringing, bringing the guys because uh-huh. they kept being like his guys are gonna be here like- that is really funny it would be so funny for frank miller just to just be sitting around the town nearby gary cole copper cooper being like just hang on yeah in one hour you're gonna feel super bad well i was like why aren't they gonna shoot why didn't they just shoot him now and i'm like oh because he's bringing all his guys my boy so you don't understand <laughs> liana how shocked <laughs> i was when just one man when got off one man steps off the train one ugly man <gasps> ugly in like a an unremarkably ugly unremarkable man i was flabbergasted i could not believe that this he, is who they chose to play the eponymous murderous should be extremely hot we should have seen jeremy jordan stepping off that train belting a high a (laughs) you're so right this was unacceptable you're right it's not really suspenseful it's not suspenseful because we always know what time it is true like okay there's 20 minutes before the train arrives okay 15 minutes okay in one minute and yep there it is he gets there it's nothing big and then the actual final brawl shootout is like not that fancy like he kind of just shoots them it's very unceremonious and then it kind of ends uh-huh i was beyond shocked that it worked out i i could not believe i could not believe so the four boys they do their girl gang strut through the mall to get to gary cooper honestly dumb on their part that they didn't succeed four against one you're in a line. You can see him the whole time you're approached. Like, you know, he's in the town. You've seen him all day. No one's defending him either. They will point out to you where he is. Yeah. That is what made it feel like, oh, that's right. This is a film from the past when they were like, it can work out. Everything could be great. It could be good. I know. When the train arrived, there were 13 minutes left of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there's no way out for this guy. No. So in that way, this movie was successful. But the payoff, everything that happened afterward was like so... It became a silent movie for like 10 of those minutes. Very silent. Because they kind of shot each other. Also, like, what are he and his wife going to talk about now? Like, she is, I guess, no longer oatmeal. She's like overnight oats now because she <laughs> shot a guy. <laughs> <laughs> a little zestier, a little colder. They just kill the four guys and then leave the town The to ending go? is so anticlimactic. Uh-huh. I mean, this also was such a great moment for... They could have had such a petty final scene. Exactly. Petty martyrdom. Oh, where he's like, none of you defended me. Absolutely. But no, he just drops his Marshall's badge. He just leaves with that, like, fuck y'all energy. Yeah. But oh, I would have loved a little zinger at the end. If they had even just had, okay, if we could have mm-hmm. a post credit scene for this movie. Okay, I know what I want. What would you want? I want a musical number. Okay. In which he is performing the theme song. Mm hmm. Oh. And there is like an added verse to it where he's like, fuck all of you i was around all day i banged on literally all of your doors i saw your husband behind you when you were like he's in church ma'am no he was not also the two of you very bad marriage you should get divorced i know and that is the post-credit scene oh i love that what about you if i was following the same sort of vibes of the movie it would be easy to just add in just the slow ride out of the town Mm. but have all the townspeople sort of on either side of the road, like, watching him. Like, he has to go past. It's, like, as if he was giving them all high fives, but he's not doing wow. that. Wow! Because, no, and no. And one kid, like, holds up a hand for a high five. Yeah, and he goes, like, and he puts his hand out, and then he goes, just comb in my hair. Ooh. That, that's what it needed. Mm-hmm. That's the way in which it was, like, not good. Yes. Had it had that, I would have given it a badge. Which is a great transition. <laughs> a martial badge. Yeah um a great transition into our next segment badges and trages bling, bling. in which we discuss badges the things that gave us joy in this film and tragedies, things we found a bit tragic mm-hmm. i have a badge for the wallpaper there was some wallpaper and i couldn't tell you what building it was in but i saw it and i said oh that is nice i wonder how they did that i have a badge for clapping at your friends in a room <laughs> so when they get married at the beginning uh-huh. everybody in this room it's not a performance. It wasn't even after the wedding. It was after he says something that they all liked. They all clap. <laughs> and I wish that with friends, we did that more yeah. often to each other. Like, yeah. Hey. I got a badge for this hotel seems nice. Aww. It did seem nice. Like there were some high angle shots of it where the ceiling was raised and this the sassiest bitch behind the front desk. And I was like, I would love to check into this hotel. That's a really positive way of looking at that. Thank you. I got a badge for that chair they kept doing close-ups on is that on either of your lists i didn't badger tragic but i did say lmao this clint eastwood slow zoom on a chair because i was reminded of the infamous rnc speech where clint eastwood berated an empty chair for 40 minutes This is how you can tell that this is like right before American entertainment becomes like the Twilight Zone, where it's really smart and thoughtful, like right before. Mm -hmm. So it's not quite there Mm -hmm. because the bad guy, Miller, said something while sitting in this chair. So they keep like when they're waiting for the train to come and they're doing like shots of (laughs) scary things that that our boy is afraid of. You know, the train's coming. It's hot. They do like this slow zoom in on the chair. They chair. They wanted to imbue so much symbolism. But it's again. Just before they figured out how to make it cool. Mm -hmm. It was (laughs) so dumb. It was so dumb. (laughs) It was was deeply dumb in a way that I actually appreciated. Mm. Bad for this woman with an opinion. Helen was mm, perfection. I loved her so much. She spoke her mind. She asked for what she needed. And she got the hell out of there when it no longer made sense for her to be there. And that is an energy I worship. She was just a cool lady. She was, uh, oh, I got a badge for kids being so excited to be released from church. This is when he goes into the church. No, I know. Oh, you didn't like that because it's a I remember. The adults are like, okay, if we're going to talk about if we're all going to risk being shot by these four gunnies, then let's just let the kids go out. And they have a shot of the kids being like,
2: what? Yeah!
3: Yeah! We're presuming that this was all-day church. So the kids oh, are released. Yeah. They get to run and oh, yeah. wag their heads around and kind of grab each other's arms and get some fresh air. Whatever kids do. I have a badge for helping the horses. Aww. This is at the very end when the four boys are trying to smoke out Gary um, from the barn. So they set it on fire, and there's like eight horses in there, and they are stressed. And I was like, if this film kills eight horses, <laughs> I will I riot. I swear to God. But then Gary saves all of them. And then the horses stampooed through the town. Aww. And he also gets out of there by sort attaching himself to on one of them. Yeah. That was really funny. He's sort of like like a tip. <laughs> I got a badge for a character figuring out they're in such hot water that they sit down to write their last will and testament. I mean that is peak comedy. That is mwah. I have a trage. For writing out your last will and testament <laughs> two minutes before you're supposed to be somewhere, <laughs> absolutely something I would do. I would kill myself. <laughs> Run up to because him. he was, lit- it was eleven fifty eight. The noon train is arriving at famously noon. He is nowhere near the depot. He's got to get going if he's going to get there in time. Nobody respects the fact that walking somewhere can take up to two minutes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And he said, no, no. Instead, let me start penning my last will and testament, where I leave everything to my oatmeal wife, who's not going to be allowed to have any of it, because it is America in the 18 who's to say's. Mm -mm. We're really never going to be able to travel together. and won't we No. And uh, it's for the best. We will happily meet up with one another in Vancouver, but we cannot see each other along the way. No. I will be writing my last will and testament and then using TSA pre. I must give a badge for the kid who says, I'm big for my age, because Gary Cooper says, you're 14. So he goes, I'm big for my age. And I said out loud, he is big for his age. And then Gary Cooper says, (laughs) you are big for your age, but get out of here. (laughs) I was like, what kind of a writing choice was that? The dialogue in this film was bad. My last badge is for smushing a face. The way that they kill the last guy is that the oatmeal wife... Uses whatever one thing she learned in Quaker self-defense class, mm-hmm. which is to just smush the guy's face. She smushes Miller's face, and then that kind of distracts him. It throws him yes. off, mm-hmm. and, then, and then Kane shoots him. Just a real face smush. On to trages. Um I have a trage for the way one of those guys was holding the reins of his horse at the beginning. It was not hot. <laughs> it was the limpest wrist. <laughs> a very limp hold. Blech. A trage for a movie that's too hot. You yeah. mentioned it before. Too much sun. Those white boys were sweaty. Yeah. Not appealing. Tragedy. for this groom is so much older than the bride. Oh my gosh. Leathery. Because they left him in the sun the whole time. <laughs> I have a tragedy for some incredibly, incredibly dumb dialogue sequences. This wasn't well written. You said that they focus on the story. That's clear. Yeah. Not the dialogue. No, no. Did you have any examples? Yeah. One of my trages actually is the dialogue... Then don't go back, Will. I've got got to to go. That's That's the whole thing. thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's also the one I wrote down. (laughs) I was like, huh? That doesn't make any sense. That's the whole thing. Like, that is a filler sentence that the writer wrote in. He was going to go back and change it. But then he was dealing with the communism stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He got subpoenaed. (laughs) That's the whole thing. (laughs) I couldn't do my second draft. I got subpoenaed. Subpoenaed. I have a tragedy for a woman asking what's going on and a man saying... Don't you worry. That has never helped any woman in the course of human history. For someone to say, don't you worry, when clearly everyone around you is very worried. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. Next, we can move on to our segment, How to Pretend You've Seen This Film. This is for, you are on the Warner Brothers lot, Mm -hmm. getting a tour from a page named... Lasso. Ted. The lot, the set of a western, getting a tour of the set from the PA, the hapless PA, Ted. And he is walking backwards and yet somehow simultaneously approaching you. (laughs) He looks straight up at the sun and he says, hey, guess what time it is? High noon. And you say, no, I know, I'm so hungry. Please let this tour end. Please let me go. And in order to stop Ted from lassoing you, into a (laughs) diatribe. Here are a few sentences you can say to pretend you've seen the film High Noon. Yeah, Ted, I do. I know about High Noon. Um, Something I found interesting was that the way that Will Kane was treated was a bit like Jesus at the end of his own life, where he was denied three times by those he thought he was closer to and betrayed by others. Yes. I remember that from Jesus Christ Superstar. Three times will deny me, and that's not all I see. One of you here Okay, all right. (laughs) Okay. Ted! Yes. No, I know about High Noon, and I have to say, the way in which no vistas are portrayed in this film, a searing metaphor for the way in which Will Kane feels trapped into staying in this one town. There is no broader horizon for Will Kane because he must stay and do his manly duty. Yes, Ted, I've seen High Noon. And also, um, where is everybody else on the tour? Why is it just you and me? I see one person peek out from behind the curtain and then go back. No, come back! Yes, you don't have to tell me anything about High Noon. I already know that it was really sort of the first one-man-against-the-mob drama where one man goes up against many. So, you know... um, Why is it just me on this tour? Ted, I have to stop you right there because actually I am the other woman. I'm the one who owns a business uh, and has like opinions and knows how to kind of voice my needs. The the oatmeal one is just to my right. Yeah. (laughs) You know ted as a mexican woman in this town here we go (gasps) no ted you don't understand you don't you actually don't understand like as a white guy like i've been through some hard things too no like i get it like i get it no god ugh. forget it i yeah that's what i said i get it (laughs) god damn it ted (laughs) i want to go to lunch (laughs) speaking of going to lunch here we are saving your day, saving you an hour and 25 minutes with our segment should you watch this or in which we tell you if we think you should watch this film or if you should do freaking something else with your time. Sienna, what do you think? I don't think you need to watch this movie. Again, it so this wasn't the worst movie I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. The very end of it made me think a little bit, but like love <laughs> it. You don't need to watch it. This no. is uh, this is, you don't need to watch this. If you're looking for something old and thought provoking to watch, Mm -hmm. you want it to be old, Mm -hmm. you want it to provoke thought, you Mm -hmm. want it in black and white. Sure. Watch the Twilight Zone. Oh. Because the parts of this movie that did interest me were just thinking about the plot itself, which is just sort it's very eerie. It's potentially eerie. But they Mm. didn't they didn't cash in on the potential eeriness of this film. Yeah. And I would have liked more of that. So I think the Twilight Zone is a better version. And they're shorter, they're episodes. And uh, they do it well. Mm. What about you, Liana? No, you don't need to watch the film High Noon. What you could do instead is you could watch just the montage from the hit film Holes (laughs) in which Kissin' Kate Barlow rides through the town doing murder Uh. and smoochin' boys. Because that, to me, is the perfect western it is so good also you've got to watch the lead up to it of her with famously Gus from Psych in which he fixes everything was very hot no he's <laughs> the best that is what I would do oh Holes is so good Holes is so good it's so good <laughs> Sienna what would you rate the film High Noon ooh High Noon <laughs> <laughs> High Noon <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay. It was mostly, like, pretty benign. (laughs) It wasn't the worst ever. Okay. That, I will say, doesn't mean you have to give it a good rating. I know. The bar is so low. (laughs) I'm trying to decide it for myself. I usually give the low, low ones to say, like, bad job. Yeah. You know what I'm going to give it? I'm going to give it the quietest one. Like a one that you've erased. Yeah. You've lowered the opacity. Mm -hmm. Because it's not strong. Mm -hmm. A quiet one long bow ties out of five. Yeah. Not a bolo tie. No, not Specifically quite. a long bow tie. It just, they were so long. Very long. Many long bow ties in this film. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Liana, what about yourself? What would you rate this film? I would give it one land pirate out of five. <laughs> 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 I would give it one because I really did love Helen and I was oh, very pleasantly surprised at how much agency a woman had in a yeah. film like this. Um, Wasn't they acknowledged, like, her life as a Mexican woman? Like, what? Incredible. And the fact that it was difficult. Like, it was just, she felt like a shockingly modern character. Yeah. Which I loved. Were I to rate the historical context behind the Uh film, the film's getting all the way up to four House Un-American Activities committees (laughs) out of five. Because, whoa, I love knowing that it was an allegory for what the actual writer was going through at the time. (sighs) Oh. I love that. I'm so happy that made you so happy. Uh-huh. Oh, by the way, listeners, I feel um, I would be remiss if not to tell you Ooh. that this is the first time we are recording when Liana has bangs. <gasps> Bang. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> so I just really so thought no. my day was going to be like, I just got bangs and it's been a hard week, <laughs> which I didn't think was supposed to happen. No. When you get bangs, your whole world is supposed to change for the better. Sometimes you get married and five seconds later, you find out your worst enemy is coming to kill you. Yeah. It's like getting bangs. The bangs of cinema. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on High Noon. Remember to follow us on social media. We're at Toss Popcorn on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Clash. We also have merch. We also have merchandise on TeePublic. You can find that in the links in our bios on those social media platforms tune in next week when we will be watching all about eve (gasps) women in a movie it's gotta be it's gotta be someone named eve maybe it's a bible tale (gasps) thank you we love you Bye. 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 bye You can find us on Instagram as at Sienna Jekyll and at Liana Holston. Please check the description for the spelling of our dumb names. We put out episodes every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. See you next week on Tossed Popcorn. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check the iHeartRadio app. God, this movie's really just about walking around for an hour. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Why do we.
0: If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.
1: You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a
2: Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause